the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelow, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelow. I know I say this every week. I'm always so grateful. I truly am. Uh, I'm especially grateful this week. Um, I'm very excited about our guest. Um, friends, we have a wonderful show for you. Valentine's Day is just past, and it's a day celebrating secular love. And although it can be a lot of fun, like most worldly things, it's twisted away from godly things. On Valentine's Day, the world tells us how we should relate to one another in a romantic and commercial way. And yet, when we relate to each other in this way, we don't relate to each other as God would have us do. And truthfully, it doesn't work. All around us, there's lots of evidence that shows that relating to one another in worldly terms emphasizes selfishness to the point of narcissism. We can't look to others to complete us, and we can't expect to be the answer for those who are themselves not complete. God has a plan. First and foremost, his plan is that we are in a daily relationship with him. On the foundation of that relationship, we then relate to each other. And Jesus put this all very simply when he said that the most important commandment was to love the Lord and the second was to love our neighbors as ourselves. So how then does all of this get so twisted? Why do relationships between men and women seem so contentious when God's plan is that we partner to go through life together? And why does it seem so hard to love our neighbor? Most importantly, because it's the basis for how we love others, why can it be so hard to love ourselves? Well, on the heels of Valentine's Day, Christy and I wanted to talk about it. And joining us in this important conversation is the author of Christy's current favorite book, Paige Stitt McBride. Um, Christy, tell us about it. Well, I mentioned I was excited about it, and yes. I've been excited about it. So Christmas time now, uh, as the show airs, it's, as you said, on the heels of Valentine's, so a couple months. And I was, you know, as Christmas comes about, you kind of go into that um, nearby store uh, to find that extra little something or maybe that last minute gift type of thing, you know. Right. So, um, and I want to m- mention this by by name in Conroe, Texas, actually Montgomery, Texas, I happened into this little store that I'd seen before, Ruthie Grace, and uh, really didn't know anything about it. And so I'm going in there, super cute clothes, wonderful, like just a great little place. Who knew in, in Montgomery, Texas? 
and I'm just wandering around looking for something for my sister-in-law and um, really the only thing that spoke to me was on the second shelf, a bottom shelf, sorry, Paige, it, it was nicely displayed, <laughs> but it just called to me. And I think if you, when you all look at the book, you can see the, the artistry on the front and the cover is, is quite beautiful. And keep in mind, this is a woman's boutique. And anyway, I picked it up and the title Beauty Not Beheld spoke to me. And as I got it, I thought, huh. Maybe I would get this for my sister-in-law. And then I thought, well, that's kind of assuming she would want to read something like that. Maybe I would get this for my niece. It's kind of assuming she would want to read it. I said, let me get it first. And I picked it up, started reading it. And it was really something I, I think God helped me find it because it was a little bit of what I had on my mind to focus on this year is reframing my understanding, my definition, well, it's not my definition, God's definition of beauty as a 53-year-old woman aging and, and coming to grips in terms with that. And it really, I'm not even finished with it, but it has spoken to me in such a way. And, and in doing so, I said, we have to have the author on the show. Yeah, Um and we should probably introduce her at this point, uh, Paige <laughs> Stitt McBride, the author of Beauty Not Beheld. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. And I do think it was an anointed thing because I've uh, been by that store Christy's talking about, and there's a men's store right next to it. And there is a ton of cool stuff in the men's side and a ton of cute stuff in the girl's side. I think God just wanted Christy to be focused on this book, and that's why nothing else spoke to her on that day. In any event, we're excited to have Paige with us to talk about Beauty Not Beheld. And before we get started, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that your plans are perfect. In the same way a flower reveals the perfection of your creation, in the same way a baby brings to life your meticulous and loving works, the plans that we can't see are also beautiful, and we know that your plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future and a hope. And Lord, we strive to be a part of your good plans. We strive to see ourselves as you see us. From the moment we wake up, the world will tell us a lot of things about ourselves, and those things won't help us to be a part of your plan, but you are faithful. And if we see ourselves as you see us, then we will know your love, and we will feel your love, and we will be able to love others as you would have us do. So, Father, we ask for your help in this effort, whatever our struggles and whatever our past mistakes and regrets. Help us, Lord, to see ourselves through loving eyes in the same way that we can see our neighbors with love and forgiveness. We ask you to bless this conversation, and to bless those who hear it, that your will be done in and through us. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Paige, uh, to begin with, how'd you come to write this book? Yeah, so um, I the, the thoughts that eventually turned into this book started for me while I was in college. Um, I was in an outreach uh, Christian ministry called Young Life, 
uh, doing a lot of work with high school students, um, high school young ladies. And um, one of the things that I started to realize is in conversations, trying to get to know girls and, and understand their struggles and their life and their perspectives was the, the conversation that just kept coming back around repeatedly was conversations of self-image, self-esteem, and beauty, uh, physical insecurity, uh, these kinds of things. And, and I found myself a little bit unsatisfied with sort of the standard popular answers. And I, I also found myself unsatisfied with it. That it seemed as though the church didn't offer any unique solution. Um, I got to write a paper on the, the biblical understanding of beauty, um, and that then kind of led the way for me in thinking about uh, our perception, beauty, identity, self, um, self-image in a whole new realm. Um, and I found it to be quite liberating, quite um, nurturing for myself. And eventually that turned into me pitching a book idea to Hosanna Revival Publishing that now has become Beauty Not Beheld. That's that's a fantastic uh, story, and what I got most out of it was that there was a secular answer, there was the college perspective, there was all of this input, and to sort through it, you went to the Bible. I love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I- imagine if we could do that in all things. And, uh, and, and just, you know, I think that's, that's the goal, is that I... I, I before I had kind of just given the cookie cutter answer. And then I realized, you know, I believe that the Bible is the source of truth and goodness and human flourishing. So why aren't I looking more carefully at what it says about this? And why am I just kind of accepting the normal cultural narrative? What's interesting is, as I shared the book with uh, Richard, I said, that's one of the things I love about the book is because it is so firmly rooted in God's word. And I've never seen a book that has spoken about um, beauty uh, in this in this way, looking at the reality in our secular world, what people say, um, and uh, you know, referencing um, embracing their own definition of beauty, uh, you define your worth, that sort of thing, the secular point of view, and uh, yet then looking at how God would define it. Just very, very eye-opening. I think it it would be prudent for us to say, okay, I know this is two women talking about beauty. Um, Richard, perhaps let's speak to why we're talking about it on Courageous Christianity to warriors. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an absolutely brilliant point because our ministry, for the most part, focuses on equipping men for the spiritual battlefield, equipping men to love their wives and lead their children and uh, foster these families, which are the building blocks of God's kingdom. So why are we talking about this issue, which kind of leans toward feminine beauty, but it's really just human beauty. And the reason I think it's so important is because in biblical marriage, in biblical partnership uh, between men and women, husbands are told to love their wives and wives are told to respect their husbands. And so we say all the time on the show, men, be respectable. Be somebody that uh, this amazing person will respect. And uh, yet I think a lot of these issues that we're touching on uh, with regard to beauty, with regard to perception of what's beautiful um, – kind of lean a little bit toward 
women. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think men need to be sensitive to this because in the secular narrative, women are exposed, in my mind, to uh, a constant attack. In the same way, men are exposed to certain attacks, and of course it's the devil's desire to undo family. But there are some unique attacks for women. Uh, For example, stay-at-home moms often look down on working moms, and working moms often look down on stay-at-home moms. And then you've got the world telling us what's beautiful, and so sometimes you have women pursuing that as opposed to pursuing what God says is beautiful. And so I think... The reason why I want men to stay tuned in is because, uh, men, I want us to be sensitive to to this in the same way that we want women to be sensitive to some of the men's issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, spoiler alert, ultimately where I got to and just even a quarter of the way through, could this information, in fact, help restore marriage? And that's where we're we're ultimately going with with our uh, discussion today as we unpack it. And there's something that Paige talks about, I think, that is uh, really important for us to unpack in this first segment. We're not going to have enough time to unpack it, I don't think. But aesthetic relativism. And uh, so I want to throw that out there as a word that we unpack. But I think that will help us understand um, some of the challenges we have around the subject, both men and women. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Friends, we have an amazing author with us. And Paige Stitt McBride yeah. is the author of Beauty Not Beheld. And she's going to help us to look into this because seeing ourselves as God sees us is the key to all the good that we can do. Stay with us. God's word says that he loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. Or visit CourageousChristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mendelow's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We're speaking with the author of Beauty Not Beheld, Paige Stitt McBride, and Christy fell in love with this book when she was Christmas shopping, as well as uh, falling in love with this little boutique in Montgomery, Texas, called Ruthie Grace. Ruthie Grace, yeah. And uh, I like Ruthie Grace because it's next to Panda Express, but that's a whole separate (laughs) 
uh, Well, and they have a great men's store next to it as well. I walked through there looking for Christmas gifts for you as well. <laughs> that is true. Uh, friends, as we went to break, we were kind of on the edge of a new term, uh, new to me especially, maybe new to you, called aesthetic relativism. And uh, I think it has some very fundamental importance, and I'd like to ask Paige about it. Paige, what exactly is aesthetic relativism? So aesthetic relativism is its a more academic term, but it really just describes how we understand beauty. So the term aesthetic refers to uh, our senses and the things that we see and enjoy uh, through our senses, through sight primarily, but also through sound or taste. And then relativism refers to the idea that uh, truth is relative. Um, and obviously, as, as people who believe in the scriptures as being authoritative, we do not believe that truth is relative. Uh, we believe that truth is uh, ultimate and that it's objective and that it's uh, determined by God and what he has revealed in his word. Um, but th- this movement of aesthetic relativism, uh, I think, can be easily summed up in the very commonly known phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, the title of my book plays off that phrase. The title of my book is Beauty Not Beheld. Uh, and I'm trying to slightly push back on the phrase beauty is in the eye of the beholder because it insinuates that beauty is located in, in a subjective realm, that beauty is merely just uh, a, a matter of preference, of personal pleasure, personal experience. Uh, and so I try to push back on that and say that uh, aesthetics are actually not relative, um, that beauty is not just a personal preference. It's not just something that, you know, well, one person finds this pretty, another person finds this beautiful, and it doesn't really matter ever. Um, I want to push a little bit against that and say uh, that beauty, uh, in, in I think the biblical understanding of it, is actually quite a sacred thing and that it does have standards uh, and that we ought not think of um, the truth of beauty being simply determined by our experience and our perception. Um, and so aesthetic relativism is really about, uh, do we think beauty is determined by our perception of the world and the things around us? Or do we think that beauty is something outside of us and that maybe sometimes we perceive it incorrectly? Maybe we don't see it where it is, or, or maybe we see it where it's not. Um, and I think the Bible is very clear that our perception uh, is foggy and sometimes very distorted, uh, and that the process of coming to know the Lord and, and being sanctified by the Lord is, is learning to put on a new set of glasses to see things as God sees them. So aesthetic relativism would refer to the idea that beauty is determined by our subjective experiences, what we like, uh, what we don't like. That's what makes something beautiful. And I'd like to argue that beauty is something deeper than, than just how we feel or what we see when we look at something. Beauty, I'm thinking, uh, with regard to that, looking at it almost more of a values expression. Mm. What do you think yeah. about that? Proverbs 31, God tells you what he values in a woman. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook and Red Book and a lot of these other books tell us <laughs> what is beautiful in a woman. And then you get these people laboring under as thinking that they're either beautiful, according to this, and now they got to go get a bunch of plastic surgery to stay beautiful, or maybe yeah. that they're not beautiful because they're not this. And yet, right. one place and, where and that's God... where the sort of the slavery of it comes in is if if you being beautiful depends on someone else's perception of you, then your life, if you want to be beautiful, is becomes dedicated to other people's perception of you. If someone doesn't find you beautiful, then 
you're not beautiful is what aesthetic relativism would say. And what I would say is someone's perception of you does not determine the truth about you. Um, and so whether one man or another man finds a woman beautiful does not actually determine whether or not she is beautiful. You know, what I'm thinking here is women who are listening out there, this may be some really new information in some ways, kind of eye-opening. We're talking about hearing, but eye-opening because that you, we've, someone, we've used the word slavery, but we labor so hard against what others think. But I also hear in this, there's so much self in that definition yeah. of aesthetic relativism. And you talk about it leading to debil- debilitating narcissism. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so if we really take seriously the idea of aesthetic relativism, then our perceptions become the king of the day, right? What we think is true, what we feel is true. Uh, And that leads us to then just be stuck in our own heads um, because we can't get out, right? If we don't feel something, if we don't think something, it can't be the truth. Um, And if if we are constantly worrying about what other people are thinking and what other people are feeling, um, because God created us as social beings, we, we innately desire other people to view us in a positive light. And so then it just becomes this uh, constant, inescapable self-evaluation, trying to get ourselves to find ourselves beautiful, trying to get other people to find ourselves beautiful, or fill in the blank, trying to get ourselves to feel smart, other people to think we're smart, um, other people to think we're successful, or to think we're, we ourselves are successful. And so it just leads to this nonstop self-evaluation that is always looking to where am I at? Where do I need to go? And I think it's debilitating. I think, you know, the kind of the euphemism in our culture for it is self-love, that we're supposed to sort of shower ourselves with affirmations and focus on ourselves, indulge in ourselves. And I I think that self-love is really just a mask for narcissism and that it's actually something that is, is really tearing many of us apart, this this constant focus on the self uh, is not God-inspired, and we think it's, it's the cure to our wounds, and I think it's actually um, dumping salt in the wounds. I think, it, I think it's hurtful. I think it's harmful. Uh, and I think if we look to the life of Christ, we see the exact opposite, that um, it's not self-focus that is freedom and that is um, salvation, but it's others-focused, that it's uh, reaching out to the other and being concerned about them that actually leads to human flourishing, and that is uh, the epitome of love. So we did a show a while back, and we talked about values. And very few people truly understand values and how they work, let alone their own values. And what I'm hearing as you're saying all of this is that in the absence of the knowledge of God's values— as we say that God's values are our compass and the lens through which we look and the measure of right and wrong, we allow the world to set those, quote, standards. And then uh, it all becomes very messy. And what this is leading us toward is understanding our value in the eyes of God such that we can then see through his eyes at the other things that uh, convey worth and convey beauty. And uh, Mm -hmm. that will help us to appropriately weight everything. But what you've described 
with aesthetic relativism leading ultimately to narcissism and pinning all of your hopes on what other people think of you and what other people think is beautiful. Explain to me a lot why you see these beautiful women, for example, in Hollywood who end up with this crazy plastic surgery rather than aging gracefully and beautifully as God intends you end up with uh, what eventually becomes disfigurement in the pursuit of this external validation of uh, secular beauty. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I'm hearing in all of that is worth, I think you said it, Richard, is is it, this is really speaking to our true worth. Um, not only women, we're talking about women right now. And when our, our, our worth is devi- defined by someone else or something else, then uh, Paige used the word debilitating. I feel exhausting, uh, yeah. detrimental, and um, the breakdown of so many relationships. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, as to the idea that there are so many um, women in Hollywood or in sort of the, the limelight that are turning to this idea of, of plastic surgery, um, I think it does point to where aesthetic relativism, relativism ends up taking us. If beauty is really just defined by what someone sees, what someone prefers to see when they look at a woman, um, then women are going to be forced to try to look like 21-year-old supermodels their whole life um, because that's what your everyday man is going to say they prefer a woman to look like. And if that's what's beautiful, then that's what we're going to pursue endlessly. And so it takes us to that place. But uh, in the book, uh, I I try to define beauty um, not as just what people enjoy to look at, um, but actually as something that is a realization of the the glory of God. Um, And so I I actually look at Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim His handiwork. Um, And I think what's going on there is it's saying that creation's beauty, the heavens or the skies, have a way of communicating God's glory, His richness, His goodness, uh, His grandeur. And I think that physical beauty, that's what it is. It's something that communicates God's richness his glory. Um, But when we sort of divorce beauty from an understanding of who God is, then we have these shallow definitions um, that basically become men's uh, sexual desires. And and so if if the normal man, your everyday man, says, I would like a woman to look like a 21-year-old supermodel, then that's what we're going to pursue. But if beauty is actually uh, things that speak to, without literally speaking, but things that communicate and realize God's richness and glory, then an aging woman could be very, very beautiful, right? Um, Because she is a testament to God's nurture of her over the years, to her maturity, to her growth as a woman of God, to the wisdom that comes with years. And so in that sense, wrinkled hands could be beautiful, right? Because they communicate the length of days that God has given that person. And so I think if we can reconnect beauty to a theology of that the beauties of this world actually point to the greatness of their creator, then we might have a a more holistic understanding of beauty that doesn't end up just becoming sexualized, basically, uh, and and quite degrading for women and ultimately harmful. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I love what you said about looking at hands and thinking about uh, the love that's in them, the 
the meals they've cooked, the bottles that mm-hmm. they've warmed, the diapers they've changed, the caresses they've yes. offered. And I think that's fantastic. And that's where true worth is. And that does glorify God. So friends, we're really getting into uh, an important subject. Please stay with us. We'll be back in the next segment. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're having a wonderful conversation with the author of Beauty Not Beheld, a book which Christy picked up just prior to Christmas and has been really touched by it, and it has brought about this incredibly important conversation, especially on the heels of Valentine's Day, where the world tells us what it thinks of beauty and how beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And we're left in this world of Facebook and uh, these magazines that paint a picture of what they think beauty is. And uh, then we labor with these misapprehensions or feelings of diminished value and diminished worth because maybe I'm not six foot five and I don't weigh 250 pounds. And maybe uh, a woman feels that she's not skinny enough or not blonde enough or these things. And then instead of being the people that God has created us to be and bringing all of this amazing and unique opportunity to everything we do, we just end up laboring according to the values of this very broken world. Hey, uh, Reader's Digest, it's not working for them, and so mm-hmm. I don't want it for me. And yet it happens. And you might be wondering why a colonel recently retired from the Marines <laughs> is having this conversation on a show about courageous Christianity. Well, one, because his wife asked. <laughs> and uh, Absolutely. And the reason why we're having this conversation is because there are a lot of shows which basically admire our problems. They say the fix is in politics. They say, look how messed up this is, look how messed up this is, look how messed up this is. But Courageous Christianity is dedicated to equipping Christian warriors for this spiritual battlefield. All the good that we do and can do relies on us bringing ourselves to the truth of God, being who he sees us and being who he created us to be. And so as men, we are created to lead families to love wives, to raise children, uh, to make sure our children know God's values and that they, too, don't labor under the misapprehensions that the world's values are all that matters. And that's why we're talking about this. Yeah, and often the thing that really 
got me is what we often talk about is uh, the cornerstone of our society is marriage. And we know marriage is broken in many ways with the divorce rate being 50%, if not higher. And I believe, at least myself, I believe, is that oftentimes when we come to a marriage for it to complete us or that person to complete us, we're stepping into something that's already broken because we're expecting something from someone is that's broken to fix us, to complete us. Yeah. And so when we haven't found our own worth in our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ and, and can step fully into that that marriage, then we're going to have that um, collateral damage, if you will. Yeah, totally. And so when we understand something like this, both men and women alike, I wrote down here that could this discussion ultimately um, uh, help begin to restore marriages? Absolutely. Paige, um, we talked about uh, the problem being that we get our view of what's beautiful from the world. And we talked about that what we would much rather is to see ourselves as God sees us. But how do we affect that transition? How do we help uh, to, uh, those around us, our wives, how do we help bring them to an understanding of what's really beautiful in the eyes of God? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my first and foremost thought is is the scriptures. We, we started out this conversation with sort of me coming to the realization that as I mentored young ladies, I and was trying to have these discussions about beauty and self-image, I found myself giving these cookie-cutter cultural answers, saying, no, you're perfect just the way you are. Love yourself. And then I sort of sat down and thought, does the Bible say that? Is that, is, is that gospel-oriented um, advice and mentoring? And so I, I think we have to realize that... Um, the culture is going to teach us things. It's inevitable. Um, and sometimes we're not even going to realize that it's teaching us those things. And so we must be intentionally and consistently diving into God's Word to find out what He says about these topics. Um, and, and, and the only way we're going to do that is through careful study, through prayer, um, through reading all the different nooks and crannies of God's Word um, so that we can be on the defense, because the reality is, is that we, we, we can't um, we, we can't just expect ourselves to naturally have the right perception on these things. Um, we have Eve's and Adam's eyes. Um, Eve saw that the fruit was good, and she saw that it was beautiful, and that was her original mistake was defining beauty on her own. And guess what? We're children of Eve, um, and so we need to be thinking by reading that. Bible as much as we can, diving in to actively correct the messages that are going to surround us in our culture, and that we we will inevitably encounter these messages and be shaped by the things around us. That we we can't avoid that. But what we can do is dive into God's Word and be committed to carefully thinking through the messages that our culture gives us. Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing is just open those scriptures. Uh, there are so many good resources to help you read those scriptures, but those scriptures themselves are your greatest hope in this battle. And then beyond that, uh, you specifically mentioned uh, men, how can they help their wives do these things? Um, well, I think first, men themselves having uh, a more robust biblical understanding of beauty so that even as they delight in the beauty of their own wives, they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that they might be able to speak more thoughtfully to their wives 
um, in affirmations of their beauty and in delighting in their wives' beauty. And then I think we also really need to think about our involvement in social media uh, because aesthetics, this topic that we've been talking about, are so powerful. Things we see have such an impact on us. We have to be really careful about what we put before our eyes. Our culture is becoming increasingly pornographic, and and that's going to lead to the degradation of of true beauty. Um, And so not only do we need to be actively reading the scriptures and correcting our, our lenses, but we also need to be aware of the other things that we are putting in front of us, the people that we're following, the music that we're listening to, the images uh, that we're looking at, um, because all of those are, are saying something about beauty, and we do need to be on guard, I think. Absolutely, and what came to me as you were saying that is uh, neuroplasticity, which I've learned mm. about from Christy. And uh, as you watch porn, your brain is rewiring itself. And it's rewiring itself as a defensive mechanism, so if part of it is injured, it can uh, recreate that function elsewhere in the brain. And neuroplasticity is really important. But as we view this uh, worldly nonsense, uh, we're rewiring our brain to think that that worldly nonsense is not only normal, but uh, we create a, a neural need for it. Uh, take, for yeah. example, Facebook and the dopamine hits that people get when they get likes. Well, they didn't have Facebook yeah. 20 years ago, which means that is a function of neuroplasticity. And so I yeah. love what you're saying about being careful what you put before your eyes because, you know, as a Marine prepares for war, there's what they do and then there's what they don't do. So they get up early in the morning and they work out and they – Uh, focus on weapons training and they focus on tactics and they don't eat ice cream at every meal and they don't (laughs) uh, get out of shape and they don't do all these other things as they get focused. And friends, if you haven't looked around, we are on a battlefield. There is a spiritual war going on. The devil attacked Eve in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3. And guess why Eve was susceptible to that attack? Because Adam, who had received instructions from God before Eve was even created, didn't tell Eve what God said. So when the serpent said, did God really say not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she didn't have the correct answer. And that was because Adam didn't show her. So men, what you're hearing is it's not only important for us to have a... Uh, a biblical view of beauty and value and worth, but it's important for us to know the word and bring that to our families lest they be susceptible to attack. So, Paige, um, sorry about that very long explanation, but um, (laughs) I just think this is so important. And uh, you gave us a bunch of things. I just want to review them with you, that we don't realize that the world is teaching us things. And so the stuff we're putting in front of our face changes us and gets us to think that certain things are normal. And uh, what came to me then was when we read the Bible, sometimes if you just say, okay, I'm going to open this book and I'm going to read from here to there, you don't get out of it what uh, the Holy Spirit intends. But if you read the Bible with a question, then oftentimes it's way more interesting and the Holy Spirit will connect the dots of your understanding. So for example... 
If you ask yourself this question, men and women, what does God say is beautiful? And then open the Bible and start reading. And every instance of God saying this is beautiful or this is worth or uh, worth a lot or the, go- the Lord saw that it was good. Christy, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I, I think drawing back to what Paige had said, um, I, I might be paraphrasing this, uh, but carefully think through what the world says versus the Bible. So, and then going back to neuroplasticity, that calls us to question our thinking and uh, allow a new opportunity, a new way of thinking to come in. And so looking what I like to do is at the reality of the situation. And so I think it's very important. Um, we talk about it a lot, reading the Bible on yeah. this show. <laughs> Paige, uh, just fantastic. So uh, you're advising these girls in college. You are seeing things and hearing things that you sense cannot be right. And so you go to the Bible and you start building a filter through which you're going to pour all of these various messages. And then you see that the world is um, saying a lot of things that go counter to the Bible. Big shock there. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, uh, you, are, you have found your place on the battlefield, and it's helping us all to understand these concepts around beauty. And friends, it's so important because a Marine has to see himself as a warrior in order to go and do his nation's bidding. And in the same way, we have to see ourselves as God sees us in order to fill the shoes that he intends. Stay with us. We'll be back in the final segment. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We're speaking with Paige Stitt McBride, who wrote Beauty Not Beheld, Christie's current favorite book. And it brings up this incredibly important conversation about what is beautiful. And the reason why that's so important is because the world will tell us a lot of crazy things. And for the most part, 
the things the world tells us are important are 180 degrees out from what God says is important. So uh, the world tells us that money is important, and God says uh, you can't serve him and money. And the world tells us that power is important, and God says he who is first will be last, and the meek shall inherit the earth. And so the world lies to us, and it has lots of ways of doing it, and they're very subtle, and they can creep in. And the next thing you know, we feel certain ways about ourselves, and those ways aren't always good. And Christy has a, a very good quote from Paige's book that brings this out. Yeah, there, there are so many. Uh, this is one that really stood out. Maybe if we paid more attention to the simple commands in the Bible— while trusting that God knows better than we do about human happiness and fulfillment, we would find ourselves feeling a lot more content. Amen. Paige, as we work toward this uh, final segment here, uh, how does all of this strike you? What do you want our listeners to take away most from this conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, whether we're talking about beauty or the ideas of love, self-image, worth, um, I think it comes back to this this question of perception. Our world is going to tell you that the way you perceive things is the truth, that if you see something a certain way, that's the way it is. Uh, and as Christians, we have to continually recognize that our eyes are blurry. We do not always see things as they are. God does, and His Word will continually correct um, our lenses and help us to see Uh, clearly help us to see things as they are. Um, But I think in the the context of discussions about beauty, and even we've touched on how this might apply to marriages, sometimes the way God says to do things isn't going to make the most sense to us. We're not going to see it, quote-unquote, see it the way He sees it. And yet there's that element of trusting that God sees it right, uh, and that we might have blurry glasses on, uh, and that we need His lenses. And so I would just encourage us all to not just default trust our perceptions, but to try to see the world as God sees it, sees ourselves, see our spouses, see those around us uh, the way that God sees it. And even when we're struggling to understand how God sees it, struggling to understand why God commands us to act in certain ways, that we would submit to that knowing that God really does know uh, what human flourishing looks like uh, and that it does lead to the, the abundance of a good life. So I think just leaning into this idea of, of putting on a new set of glasses each day by reading the Word and staying in prayer in Christian community that we might see the world as God sees it. Uh, I think that's fantastic, and I wanted to go, uh, go back to something you said. Friends, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom— she took some and ate it. And so what Paige just said about our perceptions being wrong and not always being able to trust them, they are heavily manipulated. From the moment we wake up in the morning till the moment we go to sleep at night, our perspectives are heavily manipulated. Our brain adjusts because it's built to adjust. The next thing you know, we're thinking something horrific is actually acceptable. And Mm -hmm. I love the expression you've used several times now, Paige. Uh, You said the Bible is the source of human flourishing, and you just talked about human flourishing again. And God promises the plans I have for you. Uh, He says he has good plans that will help us to be what we're supposed to be, to be successful. Christy. Yes. 
Yeah, that, I love that idea. And I'd love to come back to the human flourishing. The thing I was thinking about, it, this isn't anything new. If the, the glasses, the wrong glasses, the wrong lens was used when Eve saw way back when. Yeah, this right? is so yeah, important. It was, it was the original mistakes. We're all just copying the mistake over and over again. Paige, this is so important because God places each of us on the battlefield in a, in a different way. And for me, it was through my Marine Corps experience and then coming to Christ later in life when I started connecting all these uh, dots about uh, spiritual warfare and so forth. And you've done that, and you've identified this uh, amazing corner of the battlefield where your experience trying to help young women um, see worth. Uh, and it's it's just so important. Can you imagine all of these uh, young people um, deriving their sense of self-worth from these very transient and perilous places? And then when that doesn't measure up, we see uh, obesity, we see... Uh, medication, we see anxiety, we see all of these things that we currently see. I was going to say, that's where we are. And yeah. and so, friends, if you can hear something, it's bring your view of yourself to the Bible and to God and ask him to tell you what's important. Uh, Paige, uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, final thoughts. Oh, uh, love God and love neighbor and, and go to God's word to, to see what it means to love God and love neighbor. Those are the two great commands that should shape all, all of our thinking about any topic. It's funny. You put it as simply as Jesus, as to the point as Jesus. And what I know about myself is that when I come to the world as a man protected and blessed and forgiven and loved by God, I'm a lot less needy of the world around me. I'm uh, much more content. I don't need to fight about things. I don't need to be right because uh, I'm his. And it helps so much uh, to have that perspective. It truly gives you peace and joy and helps you to be your best person. And speaking of loving God and loving neighbor, you do a beautiful job of talking about that in uh, the week two, The Broken Self and I just encourage listeners to grab the book and read. We can't go into it now because it is it is pretty in-depth. But some of the things that you propose here, uh, Paige, are just uh, really eye-opening. And going back to that metaphor of lenses is y- yeah. you, you, you really want to put on the lens and read the lenses and read this book, folks, because it is eye-opening and... Uh, we we've used the word labor, exhaust, exhaustive, um, debilitating, and I, for one, don't want to live that way, and and we don't have to. We don't have to. Paige, how do mm-hmm. our re, uh, listeners find your book? Uh, yes, the primary way to to purchase my book is online uh, through hosannarevival.com. dot com. They are the publisher of my book. Again, that was Hosanna Revival. Dot com. You can go to their devotionals and books tab and you'll find my book and a couple other great books there. Uh, you can also see them on Instagram at, at Hosanna Revival. Um, and the book is also on ChristianBooks.com. If you type in the title, you can find it there as well. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram. I'm not on all the time because of some of the things that I've said throughout the episode, but um, I'm on here and there and post some pictures of my baby daughter. So you can find me at underscore page McBride on Instagram. 
Thank you so much, friends. That is the truth. And it brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we look at a scripture which informs our discussion. And today, our moment of truth comes from Psalm 139, verse 14, which says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Friends, all the good that we can do depends on our seeing ourselves as God sees us. We can focus on our past as we look back on our disappointments. We can worry about our future as we project our insecurity and anxiety. Or we can be paralyzed in the present as we dwell on what the world tells us through Facebook, the media, women's magazines, and messaging which says we have to be popular, rich, and powerful. Or we can begin to see ourselves as God sees us filled with potential, forgiven of our sins, and capable of changing the world around us with love, faith, resolve, and kindness. Each day, the choice is ours. Victim, victor, villain, or men and women of God. And that's courageous Christianity, to bring yourself to the Word of God, to form your perspective there, to give yourself over to him and to ask him to mold you and shape you for the opportunity that we have so much of here in this struggling world. Christy, final thoughts. Well, speaking of the choices that we have here, we have spoken and Paige used these words, diving into God's word. One of the things I'd be remiss in saying about the book is not just a book, it's a devotional. And it's a weekly devotional with some pretty powerful questions. And I've actually been going through them. So it not only can be a book that you can read, it can help you, as Paige said, dive into God's word. Uh, And so um, and then I wanted to just share that this conversation is going to be a springboard for the next couple of conversations we have uh, on the show. Yeah, we so want to talk about relationships between men and women, our perspectives on those relationships and how much access we're going to give the devil to those very important uh, partnerships. Paige, thank you so much for being with us today. It's such an honor having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you, Paige. Friends, thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT The Word, in Houston, Texas, at kkht.com, or on your favorite podcast app, and CourageousChristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.